All right, church, good morning. It's great to be together with you. Hopefully you enjoyed your time of communion together. And if you have a Bible, you can be flipping over to Ezra chapter 3. And we are going through a series through the Old Testament history books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, we're going to sprinkle in some Esther in there too. Uh, because chronologically, Esther's right in the midst of all this going on, which is pretty neat. Uh, but um, it's been a great study. And before we jump in, I do want to share some great news with you. Uh, our brother, uh, Chris Medley, uh, was, uh, was diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer and had surgery and was under radiation. Uh, but he had a scan here recently and is cancer-free. So Chris up here up front, continue to be praying for him. But that's tremendous news. Fired up for you, brother, and uh, we'll keep you in our prayers, for sure. Amen. Well, we're in Ezra chapter 3. The title of this lesson today is First Things First. First Things First. And I don't know about you, but if you think about scenarios where you're, of course, building something, which we're going to get into here in this text, where you have, uh, you have an altar being built today in Ezra chapter 3. But you think about anything you've built before or, or priorities. You know, people share that all the time. You know, keep your priorities straight. I mean, how many parents or grandparents or bosses or friends have told you or reminded you, hey, you got to keep your priorities straight. So if you're a husband, what's number one priority? Happy wife. Happy wife. There's sayings like happy wife, happy life, right? Uh, if you're a parent, it's, you know what, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. So these, these are statements of getting your priorities straight. There's all the, the often... Uh, illustration of the the big rocks first and then you put the pebbles in and then you sprinkle in the sand that kind of stuff where you have a big jar you want to fit everything in you sprinkle the sand in the smaller things first and the little pebbles the smaller things then you try to put the big rocks in there the big rocks don't fit right so you put the big rocks in first your priorities and then you sprinkle everything on top you know we went to a, a, a I think it's a Thai ice cream place we was sharing this with Matt uh, Lindsay and I celebrated our 16th anniversary on Friday and uh, we'll, we'll, we're kicking our celebration down the road. Thanks. Amen. It's a, it's a lot of help. I really didn't do much of uh, the 16 years. It's a lot of help. In people. So thanks for the applause. You can applause Lindsay back there. Uh, but kids are still in school, and we kicked our anniversary celebration down the road because of that. Uh, but the kids wanted to celebrate with us. And they made us some cards. And my son gave me a coupon book <clears throat> that he had handwritten. And essentially, coupons I can take and give him, uh, or essentially it says, you know, walk Lincoln, our dog, uh, or fold the laundry, uh, or give me, it's funny, uh, give me an hour of quiet. Uh, that was like, nice. Uh, no arguing with, my, with Natalie, his sister, you know, things like that. And then there's four of them, which I was surprised he went that far, but four of them just said custom. I was like, so I can, so I can just make something up here, right? I can. I, I can finally use the privileges of being a father and tell you what to do. Is that what you're telling me? I need, I need four coupons for that. <laughs> anyway, it was really sweet. And uh, Natalie wrote us a card, like origami. We had to, like, unfold it, and it was all. Uh, but we had, but, but the, the, that was great. But we had this ice cream, <clears throat> which I've never had before. And maybe you've heard of it. But it, basically, it's ice cream, but they put it on a cold plate. It's negative 20 degrees, and you can pick all the stuff that you want. So it's like. I can't eat chocolate, so I had a cinnamon roll ice cream, which means they took Cinnamon Toast Crunch, one of the best cereals ever invented, right? We've had this conversation. <clears throat> so they just poured Cinnamon Toast Crunch on top of this ice cream, and the guy's got two, it looks like two swords, and he's just like, and he's smashing them all up, and, and then uh, threw in some whipped cream and all this kind of stuff, 
and uh, caramel drizzle all over, and he's smashing it all up, and then he flattens it out. And then he takes, which is kind of like a putty knife, and he just, and it rolls up perfectly. Four rolls into this cup. So the ice cream's got to go in first, and then he put on all this whipped cream, and then more cinnamon toast crunch, and then more drizzle, only for $6.99. It's cheaper than Dairy Queen, folks. This was revolutionary. It was bigger, better, tastier, healthier than, oh man, it was wonderful. But the ice cream was in first, and it was just made this beautiful concoction. And I sat down, I think, whoa, what a gift. What a gift. But this guy had his priority straight. You know, again, the ice cream went in first, and then the whipped cream, and then the drizzle. It would have been a smashing grossness if it was whipped cream first. But that's a side point. Just wanted to bring that up about priorities. Ice cream was the big, big thing and all that. But think about this for you all. First things first. What comes to mind? Think through your priorities in life right now. Like, yeah, what's most important? What's vital? What needs to be done? What has to be accomplished? And we, over the, our lives and over time and the busyness and even what Doug was sharing over the last couple, couple years, it doesn't take long, does it, for our priorities to be out of alignment. It doesn't take long at all. And there's constantly, it's kind of life, right? Constantly thinking, all right, assessing where I am and then putting things back in the right order. And then you wake up one morning and you're like, why am, how did I get here again? And what do you do? You sit, you reflect, you remember what the priorities are, and then you make every effort to put them back in alignment. We all have the goal of having our priorities straight all the time, and it's kind of set it and forget it. And I think there's parts of our, our lives and seasons of our lives where we can reflect and say, you know what, I did have my priorities in line, and that was a good time. But life gets in the way. Things happen. Fear takes over. Worry creeps in. Anxiety rushes in. Outside forces say, this is what your priority is. Life happens, doesn't it? In the same way, and probably more so, and even more subtly, our priorities with God get out of alignment. The things we focus on, even in our relationship with God, can get out of alignment. We can elevate people over God very quickly, and that's out of alignment. We can elevate community or even kind of a, a, if you will, kind of a church body over connection with God. And those go hand in hand to a degree, but we can elevate what the church does to, you know, if I'm doing those things, then I'm okay. But really, it's an alignment with God that we're emphasizing, right? It can get very easy to, even the church community, where we're all imperfect people and we sin against each other and we have leaders that make mistakes. I don't know, I don't know any of them, but he's around here somewhere. Uh, make mistakes and you think, okay, if it's that, if I'm out of alignment because of him, then I, I kind of go, go the way he's telling us to go. That, that, that's weird and it gets off track. And I think for myself as a servant of God trying to serve here and serve you all, it's really important that I continue to keep my priorities in order so that I can be used the way God wants me to be used. And we're all in this together, but we all can get out of alignment. And we must remember, as the people here in Ezra, as they're coming back from exile, they had to put first things first all over again. And I believe the spirit of this text for us and why God helped us to choose it and move forward is I believe here, in the Roanoke Valley Church, we must again remember what should come first. 
and make first things first. Our priorities, your spiritual priorities, your relationship with God, what that's founded on, what is true, needs to be assessed, reflected upon, remembered, and then ultimately done. And that's where we want to go today and where we want to go as a church. And I know we're not going to accomplish that all in, in 30 minutes. Uh, preferably not 35, you say, amen. 30 minutes where we reflect and we remember and we decide these are our priorities. And what we can learn from God and his spirit and of people who want to build on God alone again can teach us. So first things first. Let's introduce this text here in verse 1 of chapter 3. We're just going to read 1 through 6. You there? It says, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priest, and Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, and his associates, I'll probably say that name ten different times during this series, so see if you can keep track of all the ways I pronounce it. And his associates began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices. Then in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those as free will offerings, uh, those brought as free will offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, through the, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. So a bunch of stuff there, and we got to delve into this. But first things first, what's the first thing they did is they gathered together as one. For us to have our priorities straight, we must understand that we are bigger than ourselves. We are who we are, what God has called us to be, not just here in Roanoke, not just the church, but this is, this is God. Last, last week, if I can remind you, this is God's story in the world. And we are a part of it. And he's called his people to be united, to be together. And all of them, who God stirred in their hearts, came here to Jerusalem, and they met together as one. Say, where are we going to go? What is the direction God has called us? What is it that we are meant to do? What does it look like to do first things first? When I asked you what your priorities are, I instantly went into what my personal priorities are. What, what does my wife need? What does my family need? And those things are important. But God takes us, a step, takes us a step back and says, okay, not only am I thinking individually or family-centrically, but I need to think the body of Christ as well. And when we make spiritual decisions, we need to do it together in alignment with God's word, which we'll get to. This isn't what I think we need to do. This is going back to what God's word says. So I invite you to put yourself in the story every time God's word's open and imagine yourselves coming back from exile to your city, God's city on a hill. And it is completely destroyed. You can still smell the smoke 
billowing out from years and years ago. You can still remember the paths and the alleyways where you ventured peacefully. You can still visualize the temple, even though it's been destroyed and it's only on its, its lower foundations. Where the altar was is completely covered with debris and rubble. And now you're back to the place where God has called you to be. And you want to rebuild. These, these images of them all coming and saying, okay, it would be easy for each one of them to run off their own way and build their own memories and build their own lives again. But they say, you know what? First things first, let's come together. Let's meet as one. We're in this together. Where God calls us, we're meant to be together. So first things first, let's assemble as God's people together as one and wait for his direction in community. Amen? The second thing we see here in verse 2, Joshua, son of Josedak, what's interesting about him is he's the grandson. He's the grandson of, I can't pronounce his name right now, but he's the grandson who was actually killed by Nebuchadnezzar. So back in Babylon, his, his grandfather was killed there. And here we have a third generation coming back, leading the way, and building the altar. That's a beautiful thing. It's terrible what, what, about what happened to his grandfather, but the imagery, I hope, is not lost. That what seemed in that moment back in Babylon, no doubt, an ending of a generation, what's going to happen now? Now his very grandson is the one leading the charge to build the altar back in Jerusalem. What does this tell me? That God's story can't be stopped. That in this process of rebuilding, in this process of even gathering people whose hearts have been stirred, God's going to do it. God's going to bring the people that need to be brought together to make it happen. God's going to stir the hearts to, to bring his will to fruition. The only thing we can decide is, do you want to be a part of it or not? And I know without a doubt, there would have been much doubt, much worry, much fear in seeing a leader killed. And now his grandson, despite the trauma, can rise up and help lead the people along with Zerubbabel to do first things first. And what's the first thing they do? They find the foundation of the altar. They find the foundation of the altar covered in, in, in debris and, and stone. And it, it, you can just imagine everybody chipping in to find where the foundation was. And they're moving debris. They're sloughing things off. Who knows if they've got carts and everyone's in the, you know, they're all in lines. But imagine the joy of we found exactly where the altar was in the temple. Why is that significant? They go back to the foundation. They go back to where it was initially. When it comes to priorities and doing first things first, it's important that you go back to the foundations, what's most important. They go right back to where it all started. I think that's important for us. It's important when you're rebuilding, you're rebuilding your faith, you're rebuilding direction, is you go back to where it all began. For us, we have no altar or no temple, 
but we have the story of how God has been faithful throughout our lives that we must in times of difficulty or fear or anxiety or worry or when things are being deconstructed you got to say okay well let me let me block out everything else let me remove the rubble and get back to the foundation why do I love God why do I want to follow Jesus why are we building anything at all? Why take the effort to want to find it? Why? That's the biggest question. God reminds me that all the time with young children. There must be the most important question in the world if my kids keep asking me, why, 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 why? It's not a rebellious question. It can be, but it's not a rebel. It's a curious, I want to know why we're doing this. And as older people, shoe fits wear it we get annoyed when people want to know why we do what we do I do and even when it comes to the church and spiritual things when the younger generation says why are we doing this why now if there's a little tinge of attitude like okay it's like your kids like boy why do I gotta go to bed like okay no one's telling anyone to go to bed in church okay so that does drop off but nonetheless it's easy to look at a younger generation and say, okay, do you really want to know why or do you just not want to do it? But I think what I'm learning from the younger generation is I'm almost 40. Good night. A lot of things happen 40 years in the Bible. Um, some of that I hope doesn't happen in the 40 years that I've got. So anyway, is to remind myself and be reminded by the younger generation that wants to know why we're doing what we're doing. Why certain things we do in church? Why certain songs? Why certain traditions in a lot of ways? Is to let that question hit home again as a moment for you, if the shoe fits, wear it, for you to go back and be able to answer why we do what we do. It is the process of scraping off the stones, if you will, to get back to the foundation of the altar itself, where it all started where we meet God. And it's so important for us as we move forward as a church, as we move forward individually in our walks with God, is to go back to the foundation. If your faith is shaky, which all of ours are at some point or another, that changes throughout the week, doesn't it? We've got to know where the foundation is. And I love that these guys took no shortcuts in that. They didn't say, oh, it's kind of around here. Let's just build it here. No, 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 no. It's not good enough to build it in the vicinity. We must find the very foundations and start there. For us to rise, as our theme is, for us to continue to walk with God, for us to grow, to change, to have God search our hearts and recognize where we need to repent and change and grow or be different, all that is welcomed when you know where the foundation is. It is very difficult to receive the reminders to change and repent and build and grow if you're on shaky foundation. But if you are shaky, let's find the foundation. Let's find the foundation. It's, it's, it's symbolic in a lot of ways here that they're doing a certain thing to build, for, to put first things first. Not only do they find the foundation, but you see it here over and over again. What do they say? In accordance with what was written. In accordance with what 
the law of Moses, the man of God said. In accordance, verse 4, in accordance with what was written, we celebrated these festivals. Over and over and over again, you'll find, well, this is the fourth time in the book of Ezra already, that when they start to do things, anything, what is it in accordance of? The word of the Lord. So while we first find the foundation, which is recognizing who God is and what he's done and where we meet God in our own stories and in the story of God's word, the second thing to do to first to make first things first is that our lives aren't just built on a slab of, of concrete or stone. They are built on the very foundation of God's word. Jesus says that, right? Jesus says that in Matthew 7. As you build, you build on my word. Those who know my word and put it into practice are like a house. That when the wind and the waves beat against that house, it will not fall. But those who hear the word and do not put it into practice are like those who build a house on sand. And when the wind and the waves and the storms come, it will fall with a great crash. Whatever we build as a church, whatever we build as people, it must be on God's word. It must be. So in the same way, why? Why are we doing this? Well, we go back to God's word to get our answers. If we rely on tradition, if we rely on, yeah, this is kind of what we do. We've always been doing this, so we just do it. That's a dangerous path and a slippery slope for the grandsons and the granddaughters of our family. This man, this Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, knew that he's got to found the foundation because someone else taught him where to find it. In accordance with the law of Moses, in accordance with the word of God. First things first, we build on the foundation that is God and where we found him. Secondly, what we do must be because it's God's word. Why do you do what you do? Because God's word says so. Again, right now, 2023, God's word is under attack. It always has been and always will be. But there are forces on the outside trying to come in and discredit this. There's a new phenomenon right now that says, you know what, the only reliable part of Scripture is Jesus' words. Only Jesus' words. Paul, everything else, is suggestive. Now, if you think that or you're wrestling with that, I'm not saying, don't think that, this is the Word of God. I'm saying, go find the foundation. Go dig and see so you can trust the Word of God, so that you can build it. It is taking shortcuts for me to say, just trust it. We must dig. We must remove the debris and rubble to build on the foundation. And this foundation we see with the people in Ezra is they did everything according to God's word. That's who I want to be. I want to be a man who lives my life knowing that this was all built on where I met God, where God has influenced my life. And then, because of that, I want to know his word, to do what it says. Why do I want to be a great husband? Happy wife, happy life, great. I want to be a great husband because God's word calls me there. I want to be a disciple because I got great friends and it's, okay, cool. But I want to be a disciple because I see what, who Jesus is. And I read about him and how he loves, and how he breaks down barriers. 
how he's just ahead of the time. We're in 2023 and we're still learning about how to interact with people from him 2,000 plus years ago. We can learn, like that blows my mind. I want to follow Jesus because he's still teaching me how to deal with my own cognitive biases through his life 2,000 plus years ago. What kind of person, what kind of leader has influenced you like that other than Jesus? People still point to him. Say, this is how you love people. This is how you do it. A life where he was criticized, or a life where he was constantly attacked and eventually killed, that man continued to love perfectly. I want to be his disciple because of that and so much more. When I read God's word, I want those things to influence me. I want God's word to stir my heart so that I can do things in my life as a father, as a son, as a disciple, as a brother, as a, as a, as a grandson. Whatever role God puts me in, I want to do it according to his word. How about you? How about you? Do you want to trust God's word immensely? That it is your guide. It is the lamp for your feet, as the psalmist says. It is the very thing that you build your house upon. It's without a doubt, and we know this if you've been lo alive longer than a couple months, you know that the storms will come. You know that there's outside forces that, are, that create fear in our lives. Note here, the people in verse 3, it says, Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on the foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings in the evening and the morning sacrifice. They get back to worshiping God. Now in this NIV translation, it's a little, it's cool, but it's a little misleading. It says, despite their fear, meaning like, yeah, we're afraid, but who cares about them? Let's do it. The reality is in the Hebrew, it's because they were afraid of everybody, they built the altar. Because they were so afraid of the outside forces, they built the altar. First things first, we need God to get through this life. We need God to win our battles for us. We need God to show up because this world's crazy. Dads, you need God because you can only influence your kids so much. The older I get, it's like the less control I have over my, my kids. That's a good thing. They're growing up. But it scares me more. But the truth is, I have more influence but less control. I revel in control. It's like, oh, I can control what my son says here when this happens on the bus. I can control my son when he does this in this class. He's in middle school, folks. You remember middle school. Ain't no one control you. You couldn't even control you. It's reminding me, oh, God, I need you. I need you. I need you to win these battles. I cannot fight this stuff. I cannot win this. So they were afraid of all these other people who did not worship Yahweh. And they said, we're afraid, we're out here, we're vulnerable. We just built little huts for ourselves out of exile. We are not a fortified city. We do not have it all together. But you know what we need to do first? We need to build an altar because we must worship God because he is the only one that can keep us safe, that can protect us, that can win our battles, 
He is the only one, and we must start there. If I'm them, I'm tempted. Let's build a protective web around ourselves so that we can worship freely. They said, you know what? No, we're going to worship first. And not only that, we're going to send smoke signals to our enemy that we're worshiping. Do you understand the evening and morning sacrifices? There was a smoke signal rising up to the sky every single second of every single day showing their enemies where they were. It's classic. You're giving your position away. And here they say, we're afraid. So let's build an altar and worship our God. God will come through. I'm sure somebody in the crowd was saying, but you'll give our position away. Let's build a wall first. Let's build a temple. Let's secure ourselves first. He said, no, 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 no. They learned this already. They learned this already. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Read that. Read, remember Exodus. Remember the Egyptians. They know. They remembered. God will come through. Asa is the king in, in Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles, and he has three hundred thousand men, and the guys that are coming against him have a million. And he prays there, God, we cannot win this. And God says, "You're going to win." And God comes and just demolishes them, and they're all reminded of the simple fact: it wasn't us; it was our God. And for us to have the priorities to put first things first is to recognize that there's no security, there's no safety, there's no guarantee, there's no advancement without God. So what are you afraid of? Let's list them all, right? But when we have our priorities, when we put first things first, when we recognize, you know what, we need to go to God and without him we've got nothing. That's a great place to start. That's a great place to start. Quite a bit here in verse 4 and 5 and 6, all these festivals and the festival of tabernacles and the moon and all the sacrifices. We're going to cut through all that. The truth is, Deuteronomy 16, 16 says there's three festivals every male must come do. And it's the festival, feast of weeks, the feast of unleavened bread, and the feast of booths. What their priorities are and what God wanted them to have priorities, the first things first, these three festivals were so important. The feast of weeks is to remember when the law was given. Remember how God came down in a fiery cloud on Mount Zion and gave Moses the law. Remember that God came and gave you his word. Reflect, remember, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the Passover, where they did not have time to have the leaven in the bread, to watch the bread rise. They had to leave Egypt. Remember that God came through. He delivered you. And then the third festival is the Feast of Booths, which is you basically go camping. You go camping for, for a week. And you're out there living like your ancestors did in their, in their tents in the wilderness. And the time to reflect and remember how God refined your people, how God led you through the wilderness into the promised land. Why is that a priority? Think about it for us today. If we can learn anything from them, they took priority to worship and reflect and remember together as one those three things instantly. The seventh month is the most important month in the Jewish calendar. Despite all the enemies, all the outside noise, they said, you know what? We've got festivals, we've got feasts, we've got celebrations to do. 
because we need to remember these three things. That God gave us his word. That God delivered us. And that God is refining us and leading us to where we need to go. Wouldn't that be a great foundation for us to build on? Wouldn't that be amazing for us to be able to get through this thing called life to remember that God has given us his word and no word goes unfulfilled. God's word will come true. First things first. God's word. I live my life on it. I build my life on it and it's going to come true. All the other stuff out in the outskirts, okay. But let me remember that God gave me his word. All the craziness, all the anxiety, all the cultural, all the temptations, all the things our world is pushing against us, will we remember that God delivered us from all of that? If you're a disciple of Jesus, you remember how you were brought out of Egypt. You were brought out of what enslaved you, and you are a new creation. You are free, and you would do well to remember that. In the Feast of Booths, that we know that we are on a journey that we are walking through the wilderness. We are not quite there yet, but we know where we're going. We know that this is temporary, and we remind ourselves by putting us in temporary structures so that we can remember that God is guiding us, that we don't need all this other stuff, we just need him, and we need us, and we know and need to, be, to remember where we're going. So first things first, thank you for your word, God. First things first, thank you for delivering me, God. First things first, thank you, God, for showing me where we're going. No matter how crazy it gets, no matter how uncomfortable it is to be in this tent, camping out, God, you're teaching me. You're refining me. You're helping me to be prepared to enter the promised land. First things first. So for us as a church... I, I stand in front of you. I'm with you. Let's all come together as one and decide that we are going to live our lives searching for the foundation of God. That we are going to build our lives there. We're not going to build our lives on any structure, man-made structure. We're going to build it on God's foundation. We're in, Deut or in Genesis chapter 12 where God said, Abraham built an altar. That's the altar right there. From the beginning, I'm going to make you a nation, a many, many nations, a father of many nations, right there, the beginning of his people. Let's find that. What is that foundation? Where God met us, and we remember, and we start there again. And then we know that God gave us his word, and we stand on that. Build your life on God's word. Stay in his word. Digest it. Reflect on it. Don't rely on quick fixes where you're just relying on somebody else's research. Get in there and know God's word and build your life on it. And then thirdly, these beautiful festivals. These are the foundational truths of how God interacted in the world for them. And they are true for us all the more. We celebrated one already today. When we took communion, we celebrated how God had come through through his son, giving us way more than anything that these guys had. There's nothing that can keep us safe but the blood of Jesus. There's nothing that secures our lives more.
than what Jesus has done for us. There is no building, there is no temple, there is no wall, there is no altar. All this for us to show us that what our lives are built on, what our priorities start with, is Jesus. So as we go this week, I encourage you, if your life is piled up and there's rubble and there's dust and there's burning sensations all over the place, to not fret and say, let me go back to answering the question, why? Why? Start there. And then go to God's word. And if there's wrestling, dig. Don't quit until you can trust God's word and then start to put it into practice. And thirdly, man, let's remember the cross. Let's remember communion, which is our festival of weeks and unleavened bread and booths. It is the moment where God came in and rescued us. And now we can look forward to what he has in store. We're going to rise only as God allows us to. And I believe when we humble ourselves and do these things and imitate them and seek Jesus, we will rise over and over again as a church in the future and even grandsons and great-grandsons like we see here. Let's stand and sing a final song and put first things first. Amen. <clears throat>